Hi there, I'm Erin Kraber. I'm a marketing professional with a passion for building a community of industry-leading women navigating careers and motherhood at the same time. Every week, I'll be sharing tips and tricks to help women grow their local businesses, build their personal brands, and be leaders in their communities, and sharing the stories of women who make it happen while keeping the kids healthy and the house still standing. This is a place for honest conversations among women about business and motherhood. Welcome to Motherhood Merged. Hi there. Happy New Year and welcome to a new season of the Motherhood Merged podcast. I'm so excited to kick off this second season of the show. Thank you for listening and an even bigger thank you if you have tuned in before and are back for more. My name is Erin Kraber. And this is the community for women who are living every day the best they can, managing kids, careers, and businesses, and making it look easy, even though we know how truly challenging and stressful it can be. I like to talk about it all and share tips, strategies, and mindsets that can truly make a difference in your life. Since this is the first official episode of 2022, I thought I would start with the way I go about setting my strategy and intention for the year. At the start of the new year, there is a lot of pressure to create a resolution or to select a word of the year. Honestly, I'm not sure where either practice originated from, but the purpose is to set some goals and share them as an accountability measure. I'm all for goal setting, but I've actually never put much stock into either concept. I don't think there's anything wrong with coming up with a list of resolutions or a specific word to build your year around. I just think for me personally, I've learned that I operate best when I break things down into smaller pieces. Creating a plan for the whole year seems a little daunting in my mind, and when that happens, I'm a lot less likely to even make an effort. Rather than set myself up for failure, I've leaned into this idea of simplifying things in my life to set myself up for success. And a big part of that over the last few years has been attempting to not just add things to the to-do list, but to go the opposite direction. To take the time at the start of the year to figure out what I can quit. What are the habits, tasks, and energy-sucking things I just don't need? If you've listened to the podcast before or follow me on social, you know that I'm obsessed with personal and professional development tools. One of the assessments I've been learning more about over the last year is called human design. There's a whole lot more to this, and if you're interested, I'm happy to share the educational resources I like best on the topic, but the basic formula for this assessment isn't subjective at all. It uses your birth date, birth time, and even your birth location to create a chart of your unique genetic design. Now, before you write this one off for being a little too woo or out there in the stars, I have to say that I definitely thought that at first too, but once I gave it a chance and dug into my design type, I totally got sucked into learning about the whole chart. It has been fascinating. Anyway, once you enter your information into the tool, you'll be presented with a chart of the human body with a whole bunch of different symbols and numbers, and then a classification into one of the five types of people. The five types are defined by three different categories, how you make decisions, how your functions affect others, and where your life is moving. Within this framework, I'm what human design refers to as a generator. Generators are the dominant type with nearly 70% of the population. They're the driving life force of the planet, and the strategy is to respond, and through response to find satisfaction and avoid frustration. 
they also have a deep-rooted need to learn about themselves. So why am I sharing this with you? Because one of the unique things about being a generator is that one of the key factors to my happiness is this intrinsic motivation, a need for me to focus on the things that bring me the most joy and feel the absolute most fulfilling, sort of like the Marie Kondo of only keeping things that spark joy. I need to fill my day or week or month with more of the things that I'm energized by and get rid of the things that I'm not. It explains why I like to remove things at the start of the year. Every January, like clockwork, I become obsessed with cleaning out the kids' drawers and organizing every closet in our house. Before I can even think about making a whole new plan, I need to get rid of things taking up space. My physical space, on my calendar, and in my brain. Now let me be clear, I like to go through this exercise, and it's important to me to identify things to quit, but like many things, it's a lot easier said than done. I'm good at identifying, but not always great on the follow-through. And sometimes the ideas I have of habits to quit are good in theory, but not in the practical application at that moment. So what habits, tasks, and mindset landed on my quitters list for 2022? I'm sure all the inquiring minds want to know, so I'll share my short list with you. And in turn, you can share your list with me. I've got my list of three, and these are in no particular order, so let's dive in. Okay, friends, it's time for you to treat yourself. Better yet, treat your family to something fun from Me Undies. My husband's drawer is full of boxer briefs and every fun print they have, from avocados to unicorns and even the new Game of Thrones edit. My daughter lives in her Harry Potter pajama pants, and I'm completely obsessed with their joggers and lounge pants. And the material on all their stuff is so light and so soft. My description can't do it justice, so you're just going to have to try it for yourself. Whether you like it basic or like to take a walk on the wild side, MeUndies has something to fit every body. Get 20% off your first order with this special offer from Motherhood Merged. Visit erincraber.com forward slash podcast for all the information you need. The first thing I want to quit is missing out on time with adult friends. Maybe it's pandemic related, maybe it's getting older, but whatever the reason, I've been feeling disconnected from friends. You might be thinking, well, hey, you have busy kids and a crazy busy job, so do you even have time for anything else? I've had that mindset for a while, and that's exactly what I want to quit. There will always be an excuse not to do something, and maybe even some feelings that I shouldn't have to be the one to reach out, or I shouldn't be the ones making the plans to make this work. Communication is a two-way street but I can do something small every week to reconnect with the people in my life. Adult people. My husband and I try to do monthly dinner dates with our neighbor friends, and it's life-giving to have that adult interaction while we bounce around to different restaurants around town. That seems big, but I also want to put energy into small things like sending a text every week to someone I haven't connected with in a while. It might be one of my friends from high school or one of my accountability partners from the business mastermind I participate in, and I desperately need to get some time on the calendar for a girl's weekend. I've got a core group of friends that I live really far away from, and we've been saying for years that we need to get away together. Our busy lives keep getting in the way, so if it's up to me to get the plans together, then this is going to be the year, the year I'm not too busy for a lunch date or a happy hour, or even just a phone call to connect with an important person in my life. The next habit I wrote down is to quit letting my inbox control my day. 
This is not the first time I've tried this one, and it's a habit that has been really hard to break. I can't remember who said this, but when I heard it a year or two ago, I wrote it down on my whiteboard that I have at my desk, and it's a line that says, your inbox is not your to-do list, and I have the word not underlined. I'm going to quit making excuses for why I allow myself to be a slave to my email. It's gotten to the point in recent years where just the sound of the email notification from my phone or seeing any number next to the email icon on my phone at the end of the day raises my blood pressure. The 24-7 nature of technology plays a huge factor in this for sure, but also, why am I like this? A couple of years ago, I was at my doctor's office for my annual checkup. Nothing out of the ordinary, and I don't love doctor's offices or hospitals to begin with, so I usually put off these things as long as humanly possible. So I was already annoyed about having to take time out of my workday to be there in the first place. The nurse had just taken me back to the little room and we were making small talk while she was logging into the computer. And she asked me where I work and what I do, and I know I was in the middle of a busy sports season. So she was asking me about that while getting ready to take my vitals. Apparently, I didn't turn off my phone before I went back, because just as she started the blood pressure cuff, my phone started chiming with an email notification, then another, then my Apple Watch went off with a text notification, and then more emails. You can guess where I'm going with this. The nurse stopped everything because my blood pressure jumped so high in that minute stretch that I think she just felt bad for me. It was a mini wake-up call that I was allowing my inbox to dictate the flow of my day. Rather than work through my day and the project-related tasks, I would panic at the sight or sound of an email and immediately jump to whatever someone else needed in that moment. After that, I started working on small things like not checking my emails after work until after my kids went to bed or turning off notifications to my phone altogether and blocking time on my calendar just for responding to emails. And it's worked somewhat, but I broke any boundaries a long time ago around email, and it's really hard to make them again. I've created this expectation that if someone needs something, I was the person who A, know what they need, and B, can get it to them immediately. So while my work may be important to me and all the people I work with, I also realize that nothing we do is life and death. And even if it's an emergency, quote unquote emergency by our standards, I've trained my team and the people around me that an emergency requires a call and not an email. There are a lot of successful people in this world who don't have their email apps open all day long, who take three days rather than three minutes to respond to an email. I plan to be more like them in 2022 and quit letting my email prevent me from being as productive as possible, to have set times for email responses, and to give myself permission to let something sit for a reasonable amount of time before I respond, and to make every effort to stick with it even when it's hard. The third thing I wrote down is also something I've said and tried before. I want to quit rushing. When I say rushing, I mean this feeling that time is running out that leads to feelings of anxiousness and stress. I've made progress, but not enough, in part because I've learned that rushing around is a side effect of a broken system. I'm pretty sure no one gets up in the morning with the plan to be racing out the door late to pick a child up from dance or hurrying to get to an appointment on time. Rushing is the end result of poor time management or poor task management. This one applies to all aspects of my life because I can feel rushed in different ways. Rush to make a decision in my business, rush to complete a project at work, and rush just to get from point A to point B with everything everyone needs. It's physical and it's mental. I used to be really good about being on time for things. 
probably because my own mom was terrible at it and it would make me crazy. And then I had kids and I felt like I'm in a perpetual state of late ever since. And now I feel bad for every time I whined at my mom as a kid for being late. So how do I quit this habit of rushing in my daily life? Honestly, I'm not exactly sure of my plan yet, but I'm following my human design and centering my day around the things that light me up and give me energy, then it should adjust itself. In theory, I should naturally allow time for the important things, which include my girls, their activities, and also the big projects I'm working on. But as I've learned from experience, I have to be more intentional. I need a plan or a system that I can rely on so that when something comes up to throw my day or week or month off track, my default setting isn't to do everything humanly possible to squeeze it all in. I think being a generator means being able to let go of the things that don't fit with more ease. And that's the overall goal for 2022. Do more of what comes easy. At the end of the day, the important thing is that you take time to evaluate. Like any business or project, you're a work in progress. There's never a wrong time to evaluate your progress. See where you are compared to where you want to be. It doesn't have to be on anyone's calendar but your own. It can be something you do in January or July. And you can evaluate based on a year or on a day. My method is pretty basic, but it serves me well given my intrinsic motivations. I want to do more of what makes me feel good and less of what doesn't. Might be a little idealistic for this cynic, but I won't know if I don't try. One of my favorite reads is Atomic Habits by James Clear. I actually prefer the audiobook version because I listen to pieces at a time and can easily skip around. But one of the things he says in the book that I have highlighted, and I'm just going to read it so I don't screw it up, The purpose of setting goals is to win the game. The purpose of building systems is to continue playing the game. True, long-term thinking is goalless thinking. It's not about any single accomplishment. It's about the cycle of endless refinement and continuous improvement. Ultimately, it's your commitment to the process that will determine your progress. So I don't have just one big resolution or one word. And maybe I do buried inside my list of things to quit, But doing it this way feels manageable. It feels like the right order of operations and the right size habits to tackle inside of my system. Today I gave you some insights into the scary place that is my brain at the start of a new year. And I'd love to know about your evaluation process. How do you start the year? Or what does your self-evaluation practice look like if you have one? What things do you want to add for 2022 And maybe I've convinced you that it's important to consider what you can quit or take away to be a part of that practice. With that, it's time to wrap up this first episode of Motherhood Merged for 2022. I look forward to a lot more to come. I can't wait to introduce you to more amazing women and the work they're doing in the world and to connect with you on social. Find me on Instagram or LinkedIn. Those are where I hang out the most. And let me know what you thought about today's topic. And don't forget, you're doing a great job. Talk to you again soon. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Motherhood Merge. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I loved putting it together to share. If you want to know when a new episode drops, be sure to subscribe on the platform of your choice so the newest episodes are automatically queued up and ready to enjoy. I do have one small favor to ask. It will only take a minute and it will help this podcast grow and get in front of more women who need my brand of support. I'd be so grateful if you'd leave a five-star review and share this episode with a friend. Tag me on social at Aaron underscore Kraber with your feedback and I'll be sure to shout you out in return.